Welcome back to another episode of Crossing Broadcast. I am your host, Kyle Pagan, and I am a broken, I am a battered, I am a bruised man. I have the ingredients of $10 dogs seeping through my bloodstream and my pores, more nitrates than you can count right now. So if this isn't exactly the greatest show of all time or the best show ever, question mark, uh, I apologize. Let's bring on Bob Wankel. Let's talk about some Dollar Dog Night, recap it a little bit, and a big Phillies win last night. Dog, uh, Bob, I almost called you dog. Um, Bob, you didn't contribute to any hot dogs last night. How does that make you feel? Well, actually, I did. I had two hot dogs up in the press box, and I'm kind of curious whether or not you were there. I was there. Why didn't you tell me? Well, I, first of all, there's a lot to hash out here. I mean, I was in attendance. I covered the game last night. And I see you making pleas to the Philadelphia sports media about stopping the steal. And here I am working with you in the press box, and I don't get a tag on any of these videos. Why did you why did you not tell me you were going down? I mean, this this is not my fault. Anthony does some games, you do some games. You have a, a beautiful child at home, you have a wife, you have other uh things you have to worry about. Keeping crossing broad afloat is one of them. <laughs> I, I can't keep up with your schedule and my schedule when I'm trying to break records. I've got malfunctioning hot dog clocks going on in, in my background. I can't yeah, keep track of you too. I, I noticed that. I was like, man, I think that counter's going down by like the eighth <laughs> inning. It was crazy. I do want to say though, you look like absolute shit. Uh <laughs> expected. I think that there's some science behind eating 10 of those hot dogs. I have to tell you. Mine was definitely cooked up in the press box, not accusing any any mm-hmm. uh, anybody of, of undercooking the meats, but it wasn't the best hot dog I ever had. Um, I don't know how you felt about it. But. Well, definitely not the best hot dog I ever had. The, the hot dogs last night, they were running fast. The, the temperature was fantastic. The last hour dog night I did was in July, and man, you put our dogs on a hot July day, man, you're just sweating. Yeah. Um, how do you feel right now? I mean, does, does your body feel like, do your internal organs feel like they're all failing simultaneously right now? I do feel better than I felt in July. Okay. I good. do. I, I will say that. I think the dogs were, were tasted better than they did last time I did it. Um, they definitely took them out of the, the, the water or the roller or everything. They did not let the grease fall off. I'll tell you so that. I have, a, I have very a questions about your process. Now, did you go bun on every single hot dog or did you yeah. just go just meat? Yeah, okay. you gotta go bun. Yeah, bun and hot dog. That's how you count. Are you a mustard or a ketchup guy? Or you know, uh, usually, I'm a mustard ketchup guy. Chili, if you want to do that. Relish, you want to do that. Whatever. I don't really so, care. But for dollar dog night, I don't. I don't do condiments for dollar dog night. What was your prep going in? Did you? Uh, did you eat it all yesterday? Did you fast a lot of water? You, like, how did, did you? Did you not see you my? Do you not pay attention to my Twitter? Like, I, I did not. Seven three sixty five. I'm I'm a busy guy, man. Come on. Um. Oh, my first meal of the day, I had hot dog, egg whites, and hot sauce. Mm. And then I had uh, a concoction of turkey, cheese, on wheat with a little bit of hot dog sprinkled in. I had an apple on the side for fiber with a little hot dog sprinkled in on there. And I had these really good sweet chili uh, uh, Quaker Oats makes them, these rice crisps. And I had some hot dogs, some some beef franks sprinkled on that as well. Now, so was there any rationale behind that, or were you just trying to get in the get in the mood? It was a bit. Yeah. Okay. My whole life is a bit. It's all for the clicks, man. It's all for the clicks. <laughs> yeah, man. It was good. It was impressive. I mean, I know you came up short of the goal, but I mean, listen, you had a lot working against you last night. You know, middle of September, 
Uh, people are agitated with the baseball team. Mm-hmm. Uh, the crowd last night, I actually thought the crowd was pretty good. Um, not just in, in terms of how many people were there, but the people that were there were into the game. Uh, yeah. Yeah, I, I was pretty impressed with that. But yeah, I mean, that's a tall order taking down 75,000 hot dogs. So Yeah, I learned a lot. I learned a lot. Um, we were off by 30K, which I was shocked uh, when, when we saw the attendance numbers that I think it was around 29,300 and some. Uh, we're probably uh, we're not going anywhere. I'll be there. I'll be there next year. We'll we'll re we'll redo this next year. I'll market it better and we'll we'll do some things and we'll we'll do what we got to do. Um, but yeah, we camp short. But, you know, the dog counter reversed. And now I need to know, I need to know how they're counting the dogs. Yeah. Um, we, we, I think we got to get the Phillies involved. We might have to get Guinness world records involved because we need that perhaps the Phillies were trying to sabotage your moment after the, the hassle that you gave them this summer. I'm not a conspiracy theory guy, but this is John Middleton's liver spotted hands all over it. (laughs) (laughs) <laughs> you can't tell someone I was I was alerted to it in the eighth inning somebody I was sitting next to goes that counter just went down I was like no it didn't they go yeah it was 47,000 now it went down to 46,000 he's like eh, okay whatever if it if it goes down again it goes down again blah 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 I'll take a picture of it I took up three different pictures within a 12 minute span it went down 400 uh or 40 dogs in that in that 12 minute span so there's something going on there's some foul play stop the steal count all votes even mail-in votes even mail-in dogs um, but man, we sat with 25,000 around, uh, two and a half innings and they sold 10,000 pregame. I was like, we're going to break this record by, by the sixth inning. We're sitting pretty now. I'll tell you what, most people that fail in races, they'll always tell you when they reflect back on it, that they just come out way too hot. And that's probably what happened last night. People came yeah. out way too fast out of the yeah. gates too strong. Just can't keep that type of pace up. So, but I, you know. I thought I had a good process. Cause I was like, all right, I'm going to go into it. I'm going to get my dogs first. I'm going to, I'm going to, I'm going to get four dogs. And then around the fifth inning, when things start slowing down, I'm going to buy a hundred. And so I overshot my goal of a hundred. This, this, this video had a budget. (laughs) This video went over budget. Um, Let's go, uh, just go get some people to sign up for DraftKings, and we'll we'll take care of it. Exactly. Right. I don't know how, like I was talking to Craig, who the cameraman is like, it's like Craig, I don't know if I can expense this to uh, to CB because first I paid in cash, but do I show HR like the video? Like I know I don't have a receipt, but here's the hot dog guy giving me 150 hot dogs. Here's you can my tell you see him flying through the air. Yeah, listen, look, you know. <laughs> yeah. it was good. I mean, I saw I saw your video of you, uh, you know, spreading some cheer out there. People mm-hmm. seemed to be really into it, which was which was a cool moment. And then uh, I saw and heard the uh, the Reggie White guy down in the right that field corner awesome. late in the game. That was awesome. So. I mean, honestly, it was a good night, man. I, I really do uh, think – I mean, some of the stuff you do is really stupid, and I just kind of shake you. my head at it. But this was awesome. I mean, this was a thing where – I'm just messing with you. Um, yeah, that's all good. This I was a thing it. where it was really cool to see the fans kind of like get into it, rally a little bit. It was it was a good night down there. It was a good night for the baseball team too. So, real positive night for the Phillies. I don't know how much you get out of the press box and everything. Bob, those lines are like I've never saw it before. And there was at one point I went down to the hundred level right by um, Harry the Case, mm-hmm. and there was these dudes. They would come out with sixty in the cooler. They were the hawkers. They would put them down. Sixty would go like that. They would go back in. Sixty would come back out. I bought sixty myself. They came. They went. Came back out. The guy behind me bought sixty by himself. Like those dudes made out like fucking. Bandits yesterday. Yeah, they crush it. Now, the, my question for you is, how do you actually feel this morning? Like, are you 
Are you definitely messed up a little bit? The, Have you no, gone to the bathroom yet? The nose is stuffy. I've not gone to the bathroom yet, actually. That's funny. Uh, the <laughs> nose is stuffy. Um, the the body, like, like the, the breathing is a little harder. It's a little heavier. It's like like you're really working for those breasts a little bit right now. It's It's right around in here. I mean, you see me right now. Everyone can hear me on the podcast. I'm usually pretty chipper. I'm usually pretty, you know, uh, spoken better, but the diaphragm's not working right now. Um, I want to ask you a question because I know you, you've inside, you know, you, you friends in the fills, not friends, but you know, people you respect and everything. Why do you think the fills didn't lean in? Like to, to behind your efforts? Yeah. Oh, I didn't know you would ask that question. Um, I, I don't know. I, I think that the Phillies are a little bit, um, conservative by nature, okay. you know? other than maybe what the fanatic does mm-hmm. his, his whole thing. But I, I feel like there might've been like a little, like, I don't know, crossing broad, you know, this guy seems like a little bit of a, a wild card. Loose cannon. Loose cannon. Not sure that we can buy in. So uh, yeah, I don't know. I think it would have been an, a, a pretty good opportunity for them to sort of play it up a little bit, but maybe they just don't, maybe they don't respect your celebrity yet. Maybe, maybe if you work harder, over the next eight months, nine months, and really build up your brand, you come back and say, you didn't want me before, but you need me now. I think yeah. that's your yeah. I, I Hey, listen, Crossing Broad, I, there was a bunch of times that I reached out to Kyle and was like, please fucking hire me. And he never got back to me on DMs. And that's I've come to learn since I started walking at Crossing Broad. Kyle gets back to nobody, so it's not really an insult. Personally, no. You can't take it personally. <laughs> but then you know what? Blew up a little bit on the uh, on the man on the street stuff, and Crossing Broad came, and, and look where I'm at now. Look, I agree. You're becoming a man of Philadelphia, a man um, of the people. Don't fucking. the fans. My head is already huge, Bob. You don't want to get any more huger. I like um, the Eagles tailgate video too. That was good stuff. You've been doing God's work all week, really. True. I mean, the Eagles tailgate was the easiest amount of content I've ever gotten in my life. I had to n- neither work hard nor try hard to get anything. You know who I imagine probably did have to work pretty hard after uh, filming that would be Craig doing the editing on that video. Craig doesn't edit. Oh, he doesn't edit. I edit everything. What does that guy do? You run him. You run him into the ground. It's the reason I don't give him the editing because you run him into the ground. So how many uh, lost treasures are in that film that were edited and could just never be seen by humanity? Was there anything where like, holy crap, that can't make it to even Crossing Broad's video streams? Someone dropped a hard end that I that was a good that was a good clip, uh, and I I didn't know I didn't know his nationality. So like I didn't know if he was white or if he was um, Latino, and I probably would have kept it if he was Latino. But he was—I think he was white. Maybe he was Latino. I don't know. See, that's the thing. And, and this—that's yeah, not this good. Is the thing, this is the thing that I got to deal with and stuff. It's not easy. Um, there's not really not much gold. I was uh, thinking more along the lines of like someone throwing up on air, you know, like, oh, that get, like that. that'll get in every yeah. single time. Um, nothing. I don't really keep things away from the people. I would love to keep like start a Patreon and be like, Hey, here's all the X rated shit. $5 a month. Like girls <laughs> gone wild back in the day. Um, well, I guess we should talk a little bit about sports since this is a, a sports podcast and everything. Give me a quick thing on, uh, on, uh, the win last night. I'll be honest with you, Bob. I was so busy trying to break dog records and on my phone tweeting and shit that like I didn't pay attention until the 10th inning. And it was awesome to see that vet reeling. Does this spur the boys to a playoff run? Yeah, I don't know. I, I think that they're <laughs> going to make the playoffs. Like, I, I don't know if the, the win of last night is going to generate this momentum that, that gets them over the finish line or not, but 
I just think they're going to make the playoffs. I don't think that Milwaukee's mm-hmm. going to be able to cut down that lead. Magic number sitting in 11 right now. Phillies have 14 games left. I don't think Milwaukee, even with a soft schedule, I think they're in Cincinnati this weekend, uh, is going to cut them down. I just don't. That being said, I mean, you can look at last night's game a couple different ways. The most impressive thing for me watching the Phillies pretty much throughout the course of this year is their ability to overcome adversity. And you watch them get swept by the Braves. Uh, you, you just have a horrible game on Tuesday night, and you're thinking to yourself, like, this is a full-blown collapse. Like, this is on, and they're going to do what they always do. And last night, Reese Hoskins, Bryce Harper not coming through in big spots, like, repeatedly. Kyle Schwarber, a couple tough at-bats early in the game. And you're thinking to yourself, like, oh, my God, like, you know, they they might not finally – this may be the hurdle they can't clear, you know? And they fall behind 3 nothing. And lo and behold, you got guys like Dalton Guthrie and Matt Beerling mm-hmm. – helping propel this comeback. And again, it's another instance. It's the biggest difference between the 2022 Phillies and the Phillies of previous years. They're getting significant and timely contributions from all areas of the roster. You know, they've just not been able to have that type of boost from that type of player in years past. What they got to do though now, like the Edmundo Sosa's and Nick Maton's and Dalton Guthrie's and Matt Veerling's of the world, they've brought them. And I listen, I mean, JT Real Muto has been phenomenal. Yeah. He, he really, I think, should be in the fringe of the MVP conversation. I was going to ask you, is he going to be a top five MVP guy, you think? I don't know where he lands, but I think he's definitely somebody that, that gets noticed, gets <laughs> downloaded on the ballot. And I, I got to say, like, he's been phenomenal. But the one thing, and I wrote this this morning, and and I I think I've actually kind of skewed positively on the Phillies for the most part. But it's time, Reese Hoskins. It's it's time, Bryce Harper. You got to do it. You guys are the ones that were here the last three years when things went south in September. And watching Reese Hoskins right now, you know, scuffle, striking out first and third with with less than two outs in a key spot in seventh last night. Watching Bryce Harper leave a ton of guys on base last night. You know, Bryce Harper's MVP last year. He was off to a phenomenal start before he got hurt this season. He's a great player. But, like, you came here to own these moments, Mm -hmm. and now you're going to get them, so do it. And Reese Hoskins, you know, you're going to be a free agent before 2024. You want want that $15, $20 million a year contract. You know, Philadelphia fans for the last three, four years have argued about, well, is he a, is a, is he a great hitter? Is he a good hitter? Is he a loser? What is Reese Hoskins? Here's your opportunity, man. Like, I see the numbers. I see the power output. I, I understand the value of Reese Hoskins as an offensive player. But here's the time to do it. And I know he was hurt last season at the end of the year. So, you know, the collapse in 21 isn't on him. But he's been a part of these teams that haven't been able to win in key spots. So here's your moment, dude. There's 14 games left. Get this team into the postseason. Phillies can't rely on Dalton Guthrie, Matt Veerling, and Nick Maton to get them there. It's got to be the dudes that they pay the big money to that get them over the finish line, and they've got to do it now. Is there any update on Nick Cassianos? I actually, t- today, I actually was like, oh, my God, Nick Cassianos hasn't played in, like, forever. I just realized that. <laughs> yeah, I think that there's a, a thought that they might try to get him ramped up this weekend. I, I don't know um, if you're going to see him before October. Uh, so the regular season does bleed into the month of October. And I, I think that realistically you might get him back with a week left and then kind of see where he's at. Uh, but you know, this is another injury where you're like, ah, you know, he, he probably avoided something serious and then you blink and all of a sudden you're like, he's been out for, for two plus weeks now. So we'll see what happens. 
you know, he was finally starting to figure it out. It looked like a little bit right up before that injury. And you just don't know where he's going to be at from a timing standpoint. And he's going to be physically 100% when he gets back. So it's it's tough. You got to hold your breath on that. How good did we all look last night, man? He was just mowing people down. You had to be happy about that start. Yeah, it looked awesome. Uh, you know, I think that you, you really had to hold your breath going into that start. Uh, because, listen, if the Phillies get there, and, and Zach Wheeler is a unavailable or B not Zach Wheeler. They're just not going to compete. I mean, yeah. you just, you're not going to win a series with, with Aaron Nola uh, and then take your pick, whether it's Bailey falter or Noah Syndergaard or, or Ranger Suarez or Kyle Gibson, who, I mean, uh, I know that the Phillies are sort of in a tough spot here and they're going to have to give the ball to Kyle Gibson at least two more times down the stretch, but. God. So you need you need Zach Wheeler to be that guy. And you saw the velocity last night. I mean, the thing that was really most impressive, his four seam fastball was up over two miles per hour on average. His mm. sinker was up 1.6 miles per hour on average. He equaled last night and, and hat tip to Matt Gelb for this, but he equaled last night the amount of 98 plus mile per hour pitches that he had thrown the entire season before last night. So the velocity was there. The breaking stuff wasn't great, but He'll get that. And uh, I think if you're the Phillies, you you go, okay, there's a really good chance he could give us elite caliber stuff in October. Must have been the excitement of Dower Dog Night. Must have been. He knew you were in the stands. He was fired up for it. Boy, was, boy was pumped up last night. Yep. Uh, Noah Syndergaard coming out of the bullpen. What do you think about that? See that in the postseason, maybe? Yeah, I mean, well, they're going to piggyback Zach Wheeler at least one more time with Noah Syndergaard, and I would imagine that Noah Syndergaard would not be in the starting rotation. So I think it's a thing where you say, hey, we don't have a ton of confidence maybe in that third starter. We would have him on a short leash, you know, and you have somebody that has some experience, pitched in some pretty big games that you could go to if need be. So, yeah, I think that there's a reasonable shot that you see something like that. You know, we were talking a couple of reporters before the game last night. We were saying, like, Noah Syndergaard against his Toronto lineup, like that's that's probably not an awesome matchup. But to his credit, uh, he gave them some really important innings and gave that offense an opportunity uh, to you know to get it together late and and not let that thing get away and not let the the Phillies get into their bullpen, which just was absolutely destroyed on Tuesday night mm-hmm. by that Toronto lineup. So they were able to kind of stave that that part of the bullpen off uh, for a while, and it was you know certainly they don't win the game last night without what Noah Syndergaard did. Yeah. All right. I want to get over to gambling preview because you handicapped the shit out of the Vikings game almost perfectly. I hope you took what you said on the podcast and, and anybody listening took what uh, Bob said on the podcast and broadcast and put it on everybody on the Vikings team total unders because they all hit. I hope you did, too, Bob. Made a little cash for yourself. Um, yeah. The commies. Eagles open up at four and a half. It's now up to minus six and a half. Total is 47 right now. Commies obviously coming off a loss to the Lions. Eagles coming off an emotional win against the Vikings. This has so much potential for a letdown game. Um, There are going to be obviously a million Eagles fans there at FedEx Field, as there has been for the last 10 years. They'll take over. I'm sure I think like 10,000 are going from from, uh, all those tailgates that they do. Uh, Everyone is in Philly is hoping that Jalen Hurts continues this fuck you tour that it seems like he's on. I mean, just silencing the critics at hand. Uh, and then we have Carson Wentz playing, you know, his old team, bringing a revenge factor to the game. Commies couldn't stop the run last week. Couldn't stop ammonia St. Brown last week. A.J. Brown might have 200 yards. Uh, but, you know, Wentz still can't, you know, be in the pocket and understand a, a blitz for the life of him. But why do I think this goes under and the game is close down the stretch and the Eagles defense has to make one last stop? for a win 
Yeah, it's uh, an interesting thought you have. I, I will say this. Um, it's hard. You know, I'm not objective, wholly objective when I look at the Eagles. I'm a, I'm a huge Eagles fan. And I think that anybody that, that listens to this should probably know that. Um, that being said, I think that we're programmed here in Philadelphia to kind of feel like, wow, that game on Monday night was pretty much perfect. I mean, I know the second half there were, were some things, but – that was a very enjoyable three and a half hours in Philadelphia. And I think that we all understand that very rarely will you get a consecutive (laughs) (laughs) consecutive opportunity to enjoy something quite like that. So I'll start by saying that I think the Eagles are going to win on Sunday. Mm -hmm. Um, I do. I I just think that they're uh, the roster is significantly better uh, than Washington's. I think that they're better coached than Washington. Um, I think the quarterback is markedly better uh, in Philadelphia than in Washington. Uh, and I should also put this disclaimer on it. I hate Carson Wentz. I truly yeah, do. Hey, better, uh, hey, better teammate though. He's, he's looking, teammate, he's looking inside himself after eight months late after eight months. And he lost the, to the Raiders and the Jaguars because it's his own fault. Better teammate though. That all being said, I am a little bit concerned. You know, you look at the spread at DraftKings right now and you see six and a half. And like you noted, it was a four, four and a half earlier this week. The Eagles are are the most hyped team in the NFL right now. I mean, they have gotten other than other than the Bills. Everyone's on the Eagles. This is a really good team. They're the, they're going to win the NFC. You know, Bills Eagles Super Bowl. Here we come. And because of that, you've seen now all of the money, all of the bets go on the Eagles. The spreads move two full points, which is a big deal without significant injury news. Like the only time you usually see a spread move like that is if there's a big time injury. And if it was at the if it was at the link, it would be probably up to ten double digits, maybe. Yeah, and you're talking about a division game against an offense that can do some things in Washington. And so for all of those reasons, I'm a little bit nervous. In fact, if you look at the betting splits right now as we record this show, 89% of all spread money at DraftKings is on the Eagles, 81% of all spread bets. And that's with the line moving two points in the Eagles' favor. So that means that the entire public now is on the Eagles. And my question is this. You saw what happened in week one with Buffalo, right? They go to L.A. and they kick the shit out of the Rams. And then what do you see on Monday night? You see, wow, they're a 10-point favorite at home against Tennessee. Tennessee coming off an embarrassing loss the week before, right? And you see 10 points and the Titans can run the ball and Mike Vrabel's a good coach. And this is the type of game that the Titans can kind of make weird and hang around in. And what did you see Buffalo do? They just throttled down and they destroyed that Tennessee team. Because they're that team. They're on that level of of being that elite. Are the Eagles that team? And I don't know. What we know about the Eagles are that they can be bad teams, and we know that they are significantly better than they were a year ago. But are they that team that has that killer mentality that's not going to have that letdown this week? And I don't know that yet. Mm -hmm. And because I don't know that, and because I see the public money, and I see six and a half points, I like the Eagles to win. But I can't I can't lay six and a half on the road against Washington when I don't know yet if they really are that team. I can't remember. I, I do remember the last time I was genuinely happy uh, a full game against Washington. And that was when Vic went out on Monday night. And absolutely, the I think it was the uh, massacre and on Monday night is what they call it. Um, how awesome was it? Or, you know, what did you think about this kind of swaggier? more confident, 
actually showing emotion on the field, Jalen Hurts on Monday night. He throws that touchdown, looks right to the sideline, crosses his arms. He runs that ball in, which was will be on a highlight reel for the rest of his time in the NFL. What did you what did you think about it? It's not something we usually are keen to see from Jalen. Yeah, I mean, he talked after the Tampa Bay game last year about like this this does not define us and, you know, we are better than this and we're we're going to move forward and you kind of go like, okay, this guy every time Jalen Hurts comes up, you got to love him, his work ethic, he's coachable and, you know, he's easy to root for, but, right? Mm-hmm. Well, then you watch the game Monday night and there was no but. You're like, this guy's just really fucking good. Yeah. And um it's awesome to see it. I I loved it, to be honest with you. I mean, that's what you want out of a quarterback. You want a guy that's humble and will work his butt off. But then when he puts it on, and you know, guys feed off of that. You know, yeah. he gets to midfield and he folds the arms and he looks in and he's like, I, you knew it. Like, you knew it. Now everyone else knows it. You know, guys, there, there's no way that they don't feed off that energy. I mean, he is the embodiment of a leader in modern day sports. Um is he, is he that quarterback? Is he a top 10 guy? Is he a top five guy? Are we going to be doing the, is he elite conversation for the remainder of the year? Probably. Is he going to play every game like he did on Monday night? No, he's not. But I think what you're seeing now is that this guy can legitimately play and it's not just, Oh, well he can, you know, he uses his legs and you know, it, he's more than that. I think he's, he's proven that now. Okay. And this is going back to your killer instinct point. This is what I think I like about this Eagles team is that maybe they don't yet have the killer instinct. They do kind of, this is going to be sound crazy, but this, they do kind of feel like a 2017 uh, Eagles team where it was like those guys didn't necessarily have the killer instinct, but they just had a bunch of veterans and seasoned and, and, and dogs and seasoned veterans and, and guys who have just been around the block and were always like, hey, listen, we might not come in and absolutely blow your doors off like uh, Tampa Bay Buccaneers in 2003. Like we're just going to punch you in the mouth and you can do nothing about it. But it's gonna. It's more like, hey, listen, you're not, you know, you're not gonna sneak up on us. Uh, we're not gonna take anybody lightly. Because I think guys like Jason Kelsey, Fletcher Cox, guys who have been there for ten plus years, they've seen the lows, they've seen the highs, they've seen those games where the Eagles left people back in, and that's where I think right now we're sitting with the Eagles. Yeah, I, I totally agree with that. I mean, you just look at their recent history in Washington. I know they've they've been fairly good down there, but every game is is intense every game is is decided late it's been uncomfortable those games and and I think that they know that I think that the veterans know that I I think that also you know if you're a coach like and you coach hard you say to those guys like hey listen as great as you were in the first half on Monday night you didn't score in the second half and we had a field goal blocked and you know there were left money on the fucking table as uh, Jalen Hurts said it and I mean there were opportunities for, for Minnesota to get back into that game and you know you credit the Eagles for just doing what they needed to do to win and, and win somewhat comfortably, but there's room for improvement. I think that this team isn't going to fall into that trap of kind of feeling themselves too much. The NFL a week ago, we're talking about this team's not as good as we thought they were. You know, they only beat Detroit by three on the road. And, and by the way, that win looks a lot better now than it yeah. did seven days ago. But I, I think that they understand like, that even if, if they go out and lose on Sunday now, they're going to suck again. Like, they know that the media is going to react the way it does, and that's just the way that it works in the NFL. It's the way it works with fan bases. Give me give me your sucker bet before we, we get you out of here. Oh, listen, um, you know, I, I will tell you that Carson Wentz last year in Indianapolis did not throw an interception in consecutive games. 
last season, which is hard to believe. And he, at the end of last season against Jacksonville, did throw a pick in that game, that meltdown game. That's why he's no longer there. He threw a pick in week one. He threw a pick in week two. So, you know, hey, Carson Wentz, like he generally doesn't throw a lot of interceptions. Could he could he potentially throw an interception against this Eagles team? There is no way on earth that Carson Wentz does not throw an interception on Sunday. And it's minus 165, and that's that's pretty juicy. Just take it. <laughs> Just take it. Um, you got you, you've got a Washington offensive line uh, that is not very good. Gave up five sacks a week ago. You have Carson Wentz. It's going to be a, a guy that already tries to do way too much, trying to do way too much against the Eagles in this revenge game. Let's not pretend that this is not a huge deal to him personally, that he wants to make plays, that he's not going to try to extend plays. It's going to happen. And one other note, if you want something with a little bit better value, I, I would also take him uh, to go under. Actually, I shouldn't say better value, but I, I, I like this pick. So you have Carson Wentz leads the NFL in touchdown passes, seven touchdown passes in two weeks. The over for his touchdown passes in this game is only one and a half. Wow. This is a sucker bet because yeah. you go, wow, it's only one and a half. He's got seven TD passes in two weeks, plus 120 I'm getting on it. All right. You go under, minus 160. I don't know if Washington scores a lot of points. I I don't know if if the Eagles you know cover or not. I, I'm kind of leaning against it, like I said. But I just don't think Carson Wentz has that game. You know why? Because he's a loser. He's a loser. And this is the a big moment for fame. him, and he is a loser. And yeah. so I would bet on him being a loser on Sunday. My sucker bet is over 47. I already talked about it. I think we're slogging through this this three-hour game. I think we are just slogging through this game. I don't think we have much to talk about on Monday. We try to break it down on the sports radio. We try to break it down after the game, being like, are they still good? Are they not good? Can we just maybe just meet in the middle and say, hey, little Mike Sealski approach. One time we had Carson Wentz. Now we have Jalen Hurts. Don't get too high. Don't get too low. Don't enjoy that game. No matter what you do, don't enjoy the game. <laughs> I have 2017. I think we get up 17 nothing to start. We're cruising. We're cruising. We score three points in the second half. And like I said, there's a de- uh, there's a defensive stop at the end. Either a slay, Avante Maddox, breakup pass, and 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 then that's the kind of game. I don't think it's going to be an exciting one. We're back to the week one formula of win the game, be just, perfect, mm-hmm. but still be miserable. Yeah, just be just win and and listen. I'm gonna I'm gonna do it now. I'm gonna get in front of it. They won on the road, people. It's good. All right. They won on the, it's not easy to win on the road in the NFL, okay? So whether it's, you know, the 0-2 Indianapolis Colts or whether it's the 2-0 Buffalo Bills on the road. It ain't easy to win on the road. All right. All right, Bob. Thanks for your sucker bets. Thanks for coming on. Thanks for recapping Dollar Dog Night with me, even though I didn't even know you were freaking there, man. Yeah. Well, good job, man. I hope you have a, a good poop later and uh, enjoy that. All right. If you want to say hi to Russ, here's Russ coming on for 1230. I don't even know where he's at. He's just I'm a big good. black I don't screen. need any more Russ joy in my life. I'll talk to you guys soon. Talk to you later. Russ, you're just dark right now. Are you frozen? All right. Well, while we wait to get Russ on right now, um, everyone saw it. Now, are you here? I'm here. All right. We're figuring out Russ. Russ, you're frozen. Rush your big black screen. Go off and come back on. Um, all right. Everyone's seen it. Ben Simmons was on the the JJ Reddick podcast yesterday or today. Sorry, this morning. Are you back? All right. We got you now. Yeah, um, I, was, I was taking down one of the uh, the multiple monitors what, here. So what is going on? What what's going on? Why is what? there a caterpillar 
Why is there a caterpillar under your nose? Oh, let what me is tell that? you. The rust stash what has returned. That? The rust stash has returned. I've never seen that. It, um, it, it happened during uh, early COVID. Uh, it was uh, the Corrin stash. And then I decided, you know what? You look like it's a time. 50s mobster. I'm totally fine with that. It looks what good. Is, I'm not, I, I, what you're trying to say to me right now. I'm not sure what you're yeah. trying to say to me right now, but I'm going to tell you something. Let me tell you. You look like you should be owning a pizza shop around the corner named Vinny's. That's totally fine. You know what, Vinny's? We got the best pizza this side of the Mississippi. I'll tell you that right now. You don't believe me? Come out for a slice. I'll give you a slice. Give you a free Coca-Cola. Nice little can. Nice and chilled. I'll do that. Ben Simmons, you don't come here. I'll break your kneecaps. Ben Simmons, you come here. I break your I break your freaking kneecaps. You know what I'm saying? I mean, I'm not gonna do it. It's not gonna be me. I wouldn't do such a thing. You know, that's very stereotypical uh, uh, out of you. That's very very rude and hurtful. Um, I don't it's appreciate that. American but what I will say, if uh, if Ben Simmons were to show up at Vinny's Pizza Shop after some of the things he's done and the things he said, I'm not so sure it goes so well for him. That's what I'm saying. You think they got pizza down under? No way. Uh huh. First reaction of the uh, Simmons interview. Let me let's set the scene. I mean, how much did you watch? How much, or have you really just seen the clips? I've only seen the clips. Me too. I, I saw- watched the first fifteen minutes. It wasn't really much. I've watched okay. most of the clips though. Okay. Um, first, first reactions from what you saw in the clip. I'll tee you up with one. Um, what did you think of him saying how he liked to play in Philadelphia? Um, I, I'm like very conflicted. Um, I, I'm I'm conflicted on a few levels. Um, I know that there are people who think that he was really disingenuous on this interview, and, and then there's part of me that thinks no, this is like the first time that I think we've actually seen what Ben Simmons is like. I would agree. I feel with like that. The, I feel like it's the first time we've actually seen like Ben Simmons and not the, um, the trained his entire life to be a, uh, number one overall pick kind of, kind of guy, you know, where you're not PR sanitized. I think that what we saw there is like kind of the love hate relationship. It was never perfect. Right. Um, I do think he was a little bit more, um, I wouldn't go as far as to say effusive in his praise, but I, I certainly think that he was more positive than I expected him to be mm-hmm. um, on the interview. And I think that ultimately, you know what? Uh, he's going to get booed to hell when he comes back here. Sure. But I think he also knows that. Like, I, I think he's at least cognizant of, of, you know, what it is to play in Philadelphia. And it didn't end well here, you know? So you can't expect to come back to rainbows and smiles. Mm-hmm. Did we get anything from the interview? I mean, I looked at the, the the one question that I asked you about the Philly, you know, how did he enjoy playing in Philly? And and obviously JJ teed him up on that. And he mm-hmm. he directed it back to, you know, shooting. And then he directed it back to, you know, he posts uh, his dog or a car. Yeah, and a car. And, yeah. and the reporters are telling him to get the fuck back in the gym, which I don't think really ever would have happened because I think Sixers Twitter would have taken that reporter to task if, if that was ever really. Written. Oh, I think it definitely happened. It you definitely it, happened. I'm trying to yeah, think I, off the top I'm of my head. Saying, I'm not saying it was like Pompeii. I yeah. would say the bloggers were, though. I would say that like people who were angling for a WIP job uh, who didn't end up getting one might have uh, might have been responsible uh, for some of that. I think that ultimately. Um, I, th- I think it's just a, a hard situation. You know, like, there's still part of me that really wishes things had worked out with Ben Simmons. Yeah. There is. Um, You'd be in a much better position. I just wish that Ben Simmons would have given the time and shown the dedication to his craft to learn to shoot the ball. 
That's I it. Think he, I think he could have been. I mean, you see the way Joel Embiid embraced the city. You see the way JJ Redick embraced the city. He was here for three years. Mm-hmm. It just never felt like Ben embraced the city. And I and I know that's kind of like a childish take and stuff. But like when you do see your best player, one of the top five best players of all time, probably might one day be the best franchise player of all time. And Joel Embiid embraced the city as hard as he did. And Ben comes in here, and it you know he he's. It looks like he's, you know, more L.A. guy, more cares about the image and everything off the off the court than he does really on the court. I don't think his work ethic was bad. I I always hated people who said, like, I wish he, you know, had a better work ethic because I don't think you become an all defensive NBA player having bad work ethic. Defense sucks in the NBA. And he did mention that, how he's guarding every single player. I just I, I, I wish. And this is the thing about new media, and I'm glad that athletes are getting more into podcasts and, you know, they provide different perspectives and stuff. But this is why you still need that other guard, because JJ and him at the end of the day, former teammates, probably friends. He 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 challenged him on the game seven uh, Trey Young pass. Mm-hmm. But I would have liked a more challenge on the whole Philly question because, like I said, he kind of turned it into a shooting thing. He kind of turned it into people coming after him, and he kind of turned it into, like, I still have real estate there, so that's why I love Philadelphia, which he never loved Philadelphia. I don't and know. I don't know if it's fair yeah. to say that. I really I don't. I, what, I don't what stands out to you that he loved Philadelphia? You don't, That's the thing, though. You don't have to be effusive in your praise, and you don't need to do what uh, a Joel Embiid has done or what a Bryce Harper has done. In True. order for for you to love the city that you play in, or for you to appreciate the city that you play in, you could just as much um, kind of shy away from some of the spotlight, enjoy everything about the city, and just not you know be as ridiculously over the top about it. Like some people just have a different way about going about it. I think Ben Simmons is a more introverted guy. Um, I don't think he's got the the uh, boastful kind of Joel Embiid persona, at least publicly. And so, like you know, you, you kind of weigh that or you 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 take that into account and like i don't know i i would assume that ben simmons liked it here um at least enough to not force a trade to the lakers like two years into his career you know like we also didn't hear anything like that there wasn't the ultimatum he didn't make the claude Giroux ultimatum saying like i need to go to la you know he could have done that he certainly could have but he but he did in a way by not showing up after the playoff debacle. He, yeah, but he, he did. didn't. He didn't hold the Sixers' feet to the fire on. Yeah, he did. Here, are, no, on the here are my two teams I need to go to. It was uh, very he clear that he had no intention. To the fire. He 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 literally f- fucked last season up by not. Yeah, but it's back. that's different though. It's different when wow. you provide a team a list of like these are the only teams I'm going to go to or influence you know public opinion or you get like Shams tweeting on your behalf. Like that's not what he did. You know he he made it very clear he was never going to play here again. But that didn't preclude the Sixers from engaging in conversations with every other team in the NBA. But it still hampered him because of his contract situation and everything. I mean, you just signed a five-year uh, Supermax, whatever, Max kind of deal. I mean, mm-hmm. it still hampers. You know, he, he he couldn't go to the Lakers because what were we going to get back in return? Russell Westbrook? Maybe. <laughs> you don't want you don't want uh, you don't want the uh, improved Allen Iverson now. Um, <laughs> I don't know. Like, I, I, I don't know. I don't know what you could have gotten out of that. I'm not saying that the Lakers would have been the deal. I'm not saying the Clippers or whatever would have been a deal. It's probably the best deal at the end of the day. And I know we're like relitigating something that happened like six months ago. It's probably the best deal Daryl could have worked. Yeah, I mean, Golden State Golden State could have been an opportunity, right? Like there sure. there there could have been a path to like a Wiggins deal. 
right? Like, you probably would have had to include something else. Yeah, but if you then. would have told people Wiggins at that time, I know obviously he had an NBA Finals and his whole his whole career is on a complete 180. But if you would have told yeah. people Wiggins at that time, this place would have burned to the fucking ground. Um, going back to the new media thing, though, like this mm-hmm. is the thing about like you know why it's still good to have you know reporters and people who can you know ask questions. I don't need you know the guy who took Carson Wentz to task during training camp being like, well, so you're a, a piece of shit. Uh, you're no good. If you don't do good this season, you're probably out of the NFL. But you know, I just feel like JJ kind of we didn't get anything from it. I, I it was so hyped up that I mean maybe it was so hyped up, you know, internally to me, to maybe to you, to maybe Sixers fans that it was kind of like we were expecting you know foaming at the mouth kind of stuff. Because there was another question where he asked about uh, the practice that he came back, and he told Doc that he was like mentally unprepared to 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 be in that practice, which mm-hmm. you know is is is, is you, we I don't know you know what's going on with the guy and everything, but like you know he brings his cell phone to the practice, he has it in his pocket. Uh, Doc asked him twice to get into the drill. He refuses both times. You know, I understand there's a whole, according to him, mental health aspect to the thing, but there's also a level of professionalism that it's sure. like, you you know, you didn't tell your team that you were coming to the Wells Fargo Center during a preseason game to get your COVID test to then come back and practice uh, yeah. the next day or two days from now. So there's just kind of this, like, still this level of immaturity, level of, like, lack of professionalism that I think Ben Simmons still has and it feels like he just kind of like you said um it was good to see him open but then he did kind of pr you had a really good pr he put the pr on a lot of answers is what i'm really trying to say yeah i mean like correct me if i'm wrong though like i know that the thought was that ben had a cell phone wasn't the the counter to that that it was like a penny that some people did say it was a penny or like a shirt or something that he had in his pocket um maybe it was cell phone angle i mean listen i never I never got a picture there of, of an iPhone falling out or of a uh, uh, Samsung. What the hell's the the Z Fold or whatever? Like, wasn't yeah. that? So I don't know. Um, I gotta be honest with you, man. I've moved on past Ben Simmons. Have you? I have. Yeah. Have you moved past on uh, Carson Wentz. Uh, no, I still love watching Carson Wentz. Just I love. I, I will, uh, so I'll say this. I absolutely love that through the first two weeks of the season, we have gotten to watch from a distance. As yet another franchise's media and team and and fans make ex- the same excuses, as if we haven't all had public access to the same footage, the same game film, the same uh, excuses, media narratives, everything. Like seeing somebody from the uh, Washington media post last week, they tweeted something to the effect of, "Well, the offensive line was an issue, and the defense was an issue. Heard that this before. isn't on Carson Wentz." <laughs> I mean, Jesus, it's an evergreen tweet. You know, I mean, how many times as Eagles fans did we go back and say, you know, man, it's it's that O-line. Now, granted, Carson didn't always play with a great offensive line here. That that is true. Like there there was at least one year where like there was legit uh, depth issue, uh, Mm -hmm. a legit depth issue uh, with the offensive line. But like then he goes to Indy, right? Indy had gone into that season, I believe, as like, what many had considered to be like one of the better yeah, starting the, the best I lines. think was was what and, was being rated and I don't know if it was like the depth but it was at least the starting group it was like supposed to be yeah. one of the best offensive lines in the league but like two weeks in it was oh man this offensive line got some real issues here and it's like look at this point if if you're a commies fan and you've decided that like you know Captain Mount Vesuvius on his neck is going to be you know your <laughs> salvation I, you can go that way. You certainly can. And I will tell you that he probably is the best raw talent 
uh, in terms of like his arm strength and like the ability to like zip in a, a tight window throw. But he's also a I, I don't want to say an idiot. He's a loser. You can't, can't be an idiot and play in the league, but the guy has like no ability to discern a good decision in the game from a bad one. Like I always would come back to this back when we were doing this show on 610 ESPN and Anthony Sanfilippo would sit in the studio yelling that Carson Wentz was the top 10, top 12 quarterback and Kincaid and Wankel and I would all sit and like say he was out of his mind. The, the argument was look at the throws he makes. You know, look at the the back of the end zone, you know, through the hands of three defenders into like um, the hell's like to like Miles Sanders or whoever. Uh, what, what was the Clement Cle- like to uh, Corey Clement? Like and I would always say just because you can doesn't mean you should. Right. Just because you have the physical ability to fit that throw into that window doesn't mean it was a good idea to throw it into that window in the first place. Well, that trick and, play they had last last week. Oh, geez. Arm looked beautiful. Great deep ball. He threw it 10 feet away. Great deep ball. If you don't uh, factor into it the fact that the nearest receiver was about 10 to 12 feet away from the ball. And some people, some cops. The closest two defenders were defenders. Like, the Washington fans got a hold of that tweet and was like, well, the the wide receiver ran the wrong route. And we were like, oh, this is beautiful. Here's here's what happened. This isn't Carson Wentz's fault because what happened is Carson Wentz was reading the offense. And when he released it, I almost sound like uh, Meryl Reese's album. Let me tell you something here, Kyle Pagan. What we saw was Carson Wentz unleashing a deep ball farther than Mike Quick. impressions in your bag. Farther than Mike Quick ever saw a quarterback on his own team throw the ball. And he went deep to the end zone, and it was incomplete. And you know what? It's just funny to me that these people are still out here making an excuse. And they're going to do this for the next 12 weeks or so until inevitably Carson Wentz gets hurt and misses time. And then their backup comes in and like maybe has an okay game, probably stinks up the joint on another one. And then they talk themselves back into it for like weeks 15 through 17. Mm-hmm. They're like, oh, Carson's getting, we're going to be close. This is going to be meaningful. It's going to happen. It happens every year. It doesn't change. It's going to happen around Thanksgiving. Yep. It's the same thing every year. And you know what? If you're a fantasy player and you want to have Carson Wentz because he's going to take you on that roller coaster ride and he might rack up 40 points because they always have to come back from behind, you can certainly do that. Yeah. But if I were running an NFL team, there's not a chance in hell that I would want him to be my quarterback. There's enough there to drive you absolutely mental. You know, like there, I, the, the, the shame is that the raw skill is there. If he had a smarter football IQ, he would be a top seven quarterback in the league. But he doesn't have it here. Yeah. For whatever reason, he just... He has the physical tools. He doesn't have this. It doesn't all work together. It's a shame. I love that. Honestly, it I love that. A shame. I, I knew this Ben Simmons conversation was going to somehow revert back to Carson Wentz because that's just, they're just, they will always be mutually linked. By the way, I do want to, for uh, consistency's sake and accuracy's mm-hmm. sake, Ben said on the podcast that it was a shirt in his pocket. I will oh, always continue to believe that it's a cell phone because that's what my brain wants me to tell me. And that's how angry I am at him and still am angry at him. So I will continue to say a cell phone, but thank you, Justin Schuster for uh, telling us about the podcast. Um, anybody happier to wake up this morning, head bounces off the pillow, checks their phone more than doc Rivers seeing I'm a Duca suspended. I mean, 
I don't because Imi Imi wasn't here. I don't think when Doc was here, right? He was a Brett Brown guy. Yeah, I think it's Ime. But yeah, he Ime, sorry. He was he was uh on the Brett Brown staff. He's one of two coaches who were on a Sixers staff that then went on to lose in the finals. But I think in their first or second year, joining Monty Williams yeah. from the yeah. Phoenix Suns. And Sam it's amazing. will probably be the third one day. It's amazing how you could have so many assistant coaches that go on to lead their team to an NBA final, and yet you stuck with Brett Brown and then you hired Doc Rivers. Um, when Sam Cassell inevitably leaves and then leads whatever team to the finals, and we're still here with Doc like three years from now because why not? Um, it's going to be mind-numbing and painful. We'll say, um, Doc, this is a gift. Oh, this, this is, is an early and, early Chris Mahanaquanzika gift. And for anyone I mean, who doesn't know, uh, Ime Aduka, he was broke during the, the Phillies game last night, and uh, Woj said that Ime Aduka was ex- uh, potentially getting a uh, long suspension because of mm-hmm. you know something within the organization that he did. And then Shams came out and just absolutely was just like, yeah, uh, Celtics coach Ime Aduka, he had an improper, intimate, and consensual relationship with a female member of the team staff, sources tell The Athletic. It's been mm-hmm. deemed a violation of the franchise's code of conduct, which... I guess Tristan Thompson won't be uh, coaching the Celtics anytime soon because that's not going to work. Um, coworkers having sex consensually gets you uh-huh. a season-long suspension. Kind of, kind of crazy. Very crazy. I, know, I guess. I guess it. You know, does it? Does it put you on notice? No, it doesn't uh, put me on notice. I think, I think we're okay. <laughs> um, I think if you, I think if you instituted this punishment in a lot of. Uh, uh, oh, it'd be bad. Teams. It would be it would be so bad. But even There's in no- organizations, people sleep with each other all the time in organizations. And and, and let's take this a step further. <laughs> There's a reason that this is coming out. Do you want to know what the reason is? Brad Stevens misses coaching. That's why this is happening. He is pulling a Pat Riley right now. That's the only uh-huh. reason this is coming out. So you they did, cannot so they did, tell me. On, you can't the, tell the, the me. Assistant. Hold on a sec. They did say Go the ahead. assistant okay. coach is going to take over. So you think mm-hmm. maybe Brad Stevens is back there pulling the strings a little, being like, you know, hopefully this guy starts off. They start off a little bit of slow and everything. They fire him. It's like, oh, here comes Brad Stevens from, from the front office. Mm-hmm. Brad Stevens is a smart guy. Smart oh, yeah. guy. This is like House of the Dragon stuff right here. It's fitting that like a Game of Thrones shows back yeah. to make this reference. But like Learned under Danny Ainge, man. I, I, they're, they're, listen, I'm not going to sit here and act like, uh, I have some kind of intimate knowledge of how NBA teams work. Okay. Didn't mean the pun there, but I'll take it. Um, I cannot fathom that there has not been a similar situation in another NBA (laughs) franchise or NHL franchise or MLB or NFL or MLS. Like, come on, let's be real here. So this is the first time that I can remember that a head coach of a professional sports team in these United States of America has potentially been suspended for a year for a consensual relationship. Let's also note consensual relationship. Now, whether the power dynamic of this was not great, um, I, to, to our very limited knowledge, there have not been charges pressed. There's no accusation of harassment or um, you know anything more serious than that. We're talking about a consensual relationship between two adults. Uh, could it have violated the team's code of whatever? I guess. But really? Like, really? Yeah. That's that's what you're going to go after if you're the Boston Celtics. And I'm supposed to believe that the reason you're doing it is to uphold, what, the 
the Boston Celtics code of conduct. Get the hell out. Stop it. So what if like Brad Stevens comes back? Like, but all right, say the Brad Stevens things. We we throw that out. Mm-hmm. So is is Ime Hatuka supposed to come back next year, and just we're just supposed to like forget that he's like the horniest guy in the NBA? Well, there. Yeah. Good luck with that. There, there is the uh, the rumor that he might resign, which would also be wild. It would kind of uh, like it would suck because I mean, just think about it. he's going to get it in Philly, he's going to get it in New York, he's he's going to get it everywhere in the NBA for the rest of his time coaching. Well, he got it, and that's the whole reason he's going to get suspended. Cheers. Hey, come on now. <laughs> All right. Anyway, um, I listen. I think that uh, Adoka would be able to get a job somewhere Hell else. Hell yeah. Um. And I gotta be honest, I, I think Boston's kind of on like tenuous sort I mean, of Phil ground. Jackson anyway. used to bang Genie Bus. That had well, to be a allegedly, conflict of interest. Allegedly, no, uh, no, they were dating. Allegedly, no, they were dating. They, they were, were allegedly openly dating. dating. Oh, they oh, were so, allegedly openly dating. So he left, and then uh-huh. I think the dating came. Yeah, I don't know, but um, I just want to understand. I need somebody to explain to me, and don't throw the code of conduct at me because I don't care. Somebody explain to me how Ime Udoka is going to get suspended for a longer period of time than Deshaun Watson, who had more than 20 women say he did bad things to them. Calvin Ridley and Ime Udoka just sitting at home being like, fuck. If I'm Udoka, I'm sitting here going, what the hell is this? How does this happen? You know, that's, I'm just saying, justice for Ime. And whatever the, the the nice lady's name is who's in the consensual relationship. By the way, if something does come out down the line that she felt pressured to say it was a consensual relationship because of the power dynamic, then we will absolutely reserve the right to come back and say that this was a horrible, horrible thing. But as of what we know right now, what's been reported, consensual relationship, come on. Seriously. Just, like suspend the guy for 10 games. This is great right? for the Sixers. Like, and this is, this is, I mean, that's. It could be. That was probably easily a top two, maybe top one team. They were humming under uh, under Aduka last year. Obviously, he led them to 28-7 to finish the uh, the season. They were in the Kevin Durant talks. You knew they were scheming to get these guys over the hump and stuff. So this is awesome. Hopefully, it, it totally tears apart the uh, Boston Celtics that they have to trade Jalen Brown away or Jason Tatum or yeah. both. Um, Perhaps. What else you got? Any you got anything else you want to talk about? I mean, uh, well, uh, do we need a Flyers update? Because Ryan Ellis is supposedly not playing. Was that already known? Shocking. I'm not, I'm not a really shocking flyer. You know, guy. I have to tell you guys, uh, <laughs> oh, anybody, anybody who's listening or watching out there, um, I have to tell you, this is, I said this on another show last night, but I think we need to thank our lucky stars that we have Chuck Fletcher as the uh, president and GM of mm-hmm. hockey operations here in Philadelphia. I mean, a truly outstanding member of the front office uh, of this team. And, and quite frankly, one of the best executives in all of hockey. Um, it's not because his dad, is the guy who who got the job got a job first and you know uh through those connections eventually got his son a job in the league with bob clark of all people in florida um and who also is like kind of a you know quasi advisor here are in you saying the no, no, flyers no. have a nepotism problem no i'm just saying that you know chuck fletcher let's talk about this really quickly what chuck fletcher has brought to the table um this team he said today the team that he said they were going to aggressively rebu- uh, retool not rebuild months ago um, he said today at camp that uh, there could be 10 players or more age 25 or younger who make the opening roster. Now, is that partially because Sean Couturier sustained an injury during uh, off-ice conditioning and training last week? Yeah, that's not good. And by the way, Chuck Fletcher is the one who signed him to an eight-year deal. 
uh, last year. Uh, Ryan Ellis, who we've been talking about on Snow the Goalie Only Flyers podcast for months now as being a guy who probably wouldn't play at all this season. Well, now Chuck finally has gotten on board with that, so that's great. Um, Joel Farabee, they're already trying to get back into uh, hockey shape. He had a, a surgery. He had um, nerve pain, so he had to have surgery. Uh, that's a, That was also an injury sustained uh, off-ice training. Um, so we, we take all these things into account, and we say, all right, there's 10 young players that could make this roster. Uh, some injuries to, to big players. Kyle, if I, if I laid that plan out to you and I said, what's the Flyers cap situation? If you're going to go into a season as a, what looks like a rebuilding team, that's going to have 10 young players on the roster. Like how much cap space would you guess a team like that would have? I'd say they have a good amount of cap space. You would, you would think so, except no, the Flyers entered the season $2 million over the cap. Wow. So need to get Howie Roseman in there. Seriously, you know the thing is, Chuck Fletcher is an absolute boob. Okay, <laughs> at this point, he like he boobs. is no more qualified to be a, a general manager in this league as anybody who works in a lower level hockey uh, operation. Seriously, there is no reason to keep him here. He has no creativity. He has no foresight. He has no plan. And until this ownership cares enough to purge him and the cronies from the uh, the higher ups of the hockey ops department. This thing's going to be a mess. I mean, it's great that John Tortorella had the guys skating suicides today. I think that's great. I was going to ask good. you about that. What did you think about that? It's just like, listen, it's pandering to the public, but I'm <laughs> sure the public's going to be happy. It's like, listen, we've had to suffer through how many years of shitty Flyers hockey. So now uh, their penance, I guess, is to have to skate suicides. They're going to be a very in-shape team. Oh, they're going to start uh, like three one, three and one. They're going to start five and one, and then... People are like, no way. You know what? Maybe the Flyers. Maybe the Flyers. Is, yeah, they are because they're going to be so yeah. much more ready than other teams are going to be, and they're going to yeah. come out like firing on all cylinders. And the whole torch thing with you know his aggressive tactics and his rah rah speeches and whatnot. They're going to start three and one, five and one, and then it's just going to come back down to earth. They could. They could maybe start five hundred through like six games. Maybe well, half the people aren't going to see game one. So let's just call. Let's just uh, yeah. I mean, that one listen, the they're they're home against Jersey. They've got Jersey, Vancouver, Tampa, Florida. Nashville, San Jose, Florida again, Carolina, the Rangers, the Maple Leafs. They're not going to have a good Sounds start. Sounds like some surprising, some surprising Here's wins. Here's the thing, Kyle. They right now, as the current roster shakes out, they have perennial 3C, third-line center at his best, Kevin Hayes, as the opening night 1C, which is probably why the Flyers started emailing people this week saying that tickets to opening night of the Philadelphia night. Flyers season could be up to 50% That's off. Wild. Nuts. One of the best, I mean, uh, I would say right there up with the Eagles, probably the best fan base in, in the city of Philadelphia. Having to deliver 50% off tickets is a uh, is not a rosy rosy color on the outlook of, uh, of Flyers. What, what we, what, how long is, man, can you even call it a rebuild? No. Like what, what are we? We're they, kind of in purgatory right now. I cannot explain to people who don't watch hockey um, just how bad the situation is between talent, lack of meaningful prospects and cap space. Like the best thing I could do is say the Claude Giroux era was Allen Iverson era, right? Okay. You had a player who was clearly the best player on your team for a long stretch. Uh, the front office didn't build a good enough team. Coaching decisions were made that were kind of iffy and probably wasted a few of those years. But the difference was Allen Iverson was still able to get you back useful players. 
Owen Tippett might be useful. It, it, you know, the guy that they acquired for Giroux. But ultimately, like, if you were to tear it down right now, after you've let Chuck Fletcher go through another offseason as GM, uh, there's not a quick fix because you have bad contracts locked in for a long time. This Couturier contract, which at the time, I said the length is, is bad. Eight years is bad. $8 million per year for what he is as a player when healthy is totally fine. That's actually great value. It's the, the term of the contract, given the amount of years he played in the league, was bad. They have the Kevin Hayes deal, which was a horrific one when it was given out. That was Chuck Fletcher. Um, they have one year left. It's this year for James Van Riemsdyk at $7 million. They might be able to load that off sometime around the trade deadline, maybe. Um, they just have so many bad con- – oh, Nick Deloria, who didn't get signed for a lot of money, but, yeah. like, is effectively an AHL player, kind of fourth-line enforcer, and they gave him Who'll a limited – your ass if, you, they, if he hears this. They gave him a limited no-movement clause or no-trade clause, whatever the hell That's it is. Why. Like, he has, like, a list of 20 teams he can't get dealt to. He's a freaking fringe player, and Chuck Fletcher said, well, you know what? It is really hard to find guys like this in the league. No, shit! They don't exist in the league because they don't belong in the league anymore. <laughs> it's like Sam. I'll tell you what. It's really hard to find a five foot nine white NBA center because they don't exist. And it's They're true. not supposed to exist. It's crazy. It's like giving TJ McConnell a new it's, trade con. Contract. It's crazy. No, TJ McConnell is at least passable. It's crazy. Oh. What was the name of the goon? What was the name of the goon that uh, that that Cheney sent in uh, for Temple? Uh, that, somebody that in the comments ha- will probably. Uh, that never happened. Nima, that, uh, was it Nima? That never, ha- that never happened. Ne- that, was just, Ingram. that was good. High. Uh, that was good. Hard nosed Broad Street basketball, Russ. Yeah, that's that's exactly what that was. Um, so anyway, it's bad. He was asking. It's really for bad. It. The good thing. The good thing is, uh, you know, everything cannot break right for the Flyers. So, um, in fact, many, many things break in the Flyers, really which good. put them in this position. But uh, the one thing that you can maybe look forward to is. A few of their young guys breaking out and taking the next step shouldn't win them so many games that it puts them into trade lot or into draft lottery purgatory. The fear is that Tortorella's coaching is going to do that, that he's going to find them a bunch of games or like five, six, seven games that they have no business winning that they uh-huh. win or games that they should lose in regulation that they end up losing in overtime and you still pick up a point. And that's my concern. And that should be any Flyers fans concern. Because they lost out on they did they lose out on, on a really good pick in uh the third overall pick, the guy who was supposed to go first, and then he ended up going third uh in the draft this year because they won against like Pittsburgh or something like that. Oh no, that was so that was Godier. Um who who well, who was the guy they just got? Who was the guy they just got was Godier. Wasn't there a really good uh, Yeah, um a defenseman? Yeah. No, no, no. It was it was uh one of the forwards. Hold on. Yeah, I just remember him it'll, staring at the It'll come at, back. But the thing the is that he guys. fell he fell until what was it pick four. Uh and then and there was like a question about whether or not he actually should have been the number one pick. Like it kind of had like a, a weird Nolan Patrick feel to it where he started falling in some of the, the prognostications like uh, ahead of the draft. Listen. There, there are so many things that are a mess. The one thing that we all know, the one thing that everyone holds true, every pundit, every scout so far believes that Connor Bedard, who's going to be the number one pick in next year's draft, is the best pure talent to come out since Connor McDavid, who was the best pure you know talent since Sidney Crosby. So you have that generational talent sitting out there. Everybody saw it. Everybody has known for over a year that that kid's going to be the number one pick, barring health. And Chuck Fletcher decided we're not going to bottom out 
like Chicago did. We're not going to sell off young pieces like Chicago did. We're not going to try to accumulate draft picks to be able to have some flexibility and clear cap space like Chicago did. Chuck Fletcher put the team in cap hell and also hasn't made the team better. So they are potentially in danger of being a purgatory team, which is the absolute worst place you could be in any sport, especially hockey, and especially when there's that generational talent sitting there at number one, ready to make an impact right away and for over a decade. I cannot explain how stupid, how short-sighted, and how misguided the entire Flyers process has been since Chuck Fletcher took over. And the only way to change it is for him to get jettisoned to the sun. That's it. <laughs> so no tank hard for Bedard? Because I actually think that would interest people in this, in this, uh, this Flyers season. Like, oh my God, Flyers <laughs> lost again. Let's go. Here's the problem. Chuck Fletcher doesn't want to tank. He doesn't want to reel because he wants to keep his job because that's what these guys do, Listen, right? He, he's got to know that he's on but, his way out. The guy reads Twitter. The guy reads, nah, the guy reads nah, everybody. He, he said that they're out to prove people wrong. Good luck with that, Chuck. Here's, here's the thing, though. His incompetence has actually led them to potentially be a tank team. <laughs> he's going into the season saying, oh, we have a chance to prove people wrong. No, you don't. Team sucks. No, team's don't. got health issues. The team's one bad Carter heart development away from, like, really bottoming out. It's just not good. And by the way, Kevin Hayes had three core muscle surgeries or three core muscle injuries in 18 months. Entirely possible that having to carry the load as the number one center on this team for much of or the entire season, it's entirely possible, hopefully it doesn't, that he ends up getting hurt. And then there's another one of your big guys. With a torch camp too? I mean, like these these uh, guys are, I mean. Good, you know, good luck. That's all I can say. And at some point, I'm sure I'll go down there to cover a, a day or two of camp and Anthony will go down and it's just it's not worth it right now. Will Chuck's will Chuck stare fireballs through you too? Oh yeah. Yeah. Oh yeah. Right. But the thing is he's you know, the way that some executives or some coaches can be dismissive, like Doc was dismissive of, you know, Kincaid when Kincaid asked about um, you know, pulling Ben Simmons late in games so that they couldn't do the hack of Ben. Mm-hmm. Fletcher does that, at least to Anthony. I haven't gone down God knows how long because I'm getting paid to write about legal online sports betting, which you can learn about on crossingbroad.com. But I'm like, what? I'll go down. At some point, I'll go down. I'll go have a lovely chat. I'll go ask some, some questions of Chuck. You know, we had Chuck on Snow the Goalie last year. I, I think that on a human level, Chuck Fletcher seems like a guy I'd have a, a nice time throwing a beer back with. But that's not the point. It's not the point when you're an executive. The point is build a team that can contend. Mm -hmm. Build a team that gives people hope. Don't just build a team and hope. That's (laughs) the difference. They built this team hoping everybody with all these chronic injury issues was going to stay healthy. We just started camp, and their best player is probably going to miss a significant chunk of time. And the guy that they brought in last year to be a top pair defenseman is probably going to miss the entire season and probably never will play for the Flyers, if ever again. So, there's your Flyers update. There's your Flyers update, everybody. Hey, listen, we're going to wrap this up right here. We went a little over. Appreciate it. Thank you to Bob Wankel. Thank you to Russ for coming on. Thank you to anybody listening that went to Dower Dog Night yesterday and ate a bunch of dogs. Thank you to uh, the Aramark employees. No thanks to the Phillies. Uh, This is Crossing Broadcast. I am Kyle. That's Russ. Bob Wankel was on earlier. We will talk to you when the Eagles are 3-0 on Tuesday.